0: Welcome back to the Fully Express podcast. I'm your host, Christina Roland, and we're doing a solo pod today. (laughs) I was telling my assistant the other day that I often forget that I can do a solo pod um, and that it's even an option and it's a good option at that. (laughs) I often get so focused on, you know, getting really great guests on here and having their voices be heard and having their insights be heard and Um, having us all be able to learn from their power and their wisdom that I often forget that another reason why I even started this podcast was to have a space where I can share my ideas in a more, um, like, long, <laughs> for lack of a better, long form way, in a more detailed way, in a way where I get to really go deep into them rather than just a quick video on Instagram or a quick story on Instagram or things like that. Um, so here we are, we're doing it. And I'm so happy to be here. Um, I think that one of the reasons that I've Kind like quote unquote forgotten, but probably more so avoided doing solo pods is also this like fear I have that's been holding me back for a long time around being fully seen in my power for having people hear all of my thoughts and all of what I believe in and for being misunderstood because of it. But I have recently been getting so many messages from spirit and even people who have come to me embodying spirit with these messages, um, and just felt such a great calling even greater than ever before that I need to make my voice be heard that I need to make my messages bolder that I need to, really be a champion for the things that I believe in because it matters and it's going to help. It's going to help people individually and it's going to help the world. So I'm going for it <laughs> in a lot more ways than one. And this is part of that. And yeah, like I said, I I have a big, deep fear of being misunderstood. And as someone who's a recovering perfectionist, a recovering people pleaser... You know, I've always wanted to be liked. Who doesn't want to be liked? You know, at this point, I've done so much healing work on myself that it's less about wanting to be liked. You know, I understand that everyone has preferences and not everyone is for everyone, and that's perfectly okay. We wouldn't have a working world if everyone liked everyone and everything, right? Um, It's less about being liked and more about being misunderstood having my heart to be misunderstood, having my intentions be misunderstood. Um, because truly at the core of it, all I want is to love people, to love myself and to love others and have other people love themselves. That is the core of my mission and to create a world where we come from love first. You know, <laughs> um, And maybe that's not like the first, like there's that phrase that's like, um, you know, your first reaction is what you've been told, or maybe even your trauma response. And then your second reaction is what you've healed and what you've learned. And if, if we can get from the first reaction to the second reaction within a couple seconds, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about there. Like we can still have those reactions. That we, every, everything's okay. Right? Like I, I love also the idea that, like, you're allowed to have any reaction that you want to. Um, and it's what you do with that reaction, right? Um, so yeah, that maybe at least our second reaction within a couple of seconds is coming from love. And that's where we act from, right? You, maybe the reaction hasn't been fully acted out, but we act from love once we get there. And so, yeah, it it feels really difficult to make sure that I'm understood the way I want to be understood within the context of the topics that I want to talk about. And that mainly comes back to what I see being the core issue for so many problems that we see in our world today is this wounded masculine and wounded feminine. And I'm not talking about male, female. I'm talking about the masculine energy and the feminine energy that is in everything, all of us and all of nature. And the fact that we are nature and we're living so far removed from our true nature. I think that so many of the problems in this world can come back to that, (laughs) the imbalance of the masculine and feminine, the wounded masculine and feminine, and our removal from our true nature. And I recognize that the terms masculine and feminine are binary terms. And my worry, my fear is that I will be misinterpreted as someone who only believes in a binary, who only believes that there is one way of expressing masculinity, one way of expressing femininity, um, that there has to be male, female, that people can't identify with whatever they, they want to identify as. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Couldn't be further. (laughs) I actually don't believe that, you know, policing what people how people want to express themselves and hurting people for how they identify or not honoring people for what they identify. I actually think that's completely in opposition to living a life from love. And so I've been struggling with how to bring my messages to the world from this place of love and from this place of being heard, wanting to be heard and wanting to be understood um, without feel, without caveating every single post that I put out there, you know, um, because it kind of gets in the way of the message. And there are fundamental aspects of the masculine and there are fundamental aspects of the feminine that have been in our culture and our world associated with just male and just female, which is why I feel like there might be an opportunity for me to be misunderstood and misconstrued. And that is really vulnerable for me, really difficult for me. And yet I feel so strongly about these messages being put out there that I can't back down from it. And I was talking to my coach about it this week. And I was like, you know, this fear is just blocking me. (laughs) I was like, you know, I posted something a few days ago that was... You know, my, the language I used was the king energy and the queen energy. And I recognize that those are binary terms and that people often associate them with king and, or excuse me, often associate them with male and female. But it really doesn't matter what gender you are or that you identify as. Like somebody's just embodying that versus that, you know, like we all have both. And like, how do I constantly explain this while also getting my point across? And like, that posting this actually, like, made me worried. And I I even avoided my Instagram for the next like 15 hours because I was worried that that I would get some negative backlash from using this language. And that's not how I want to (laughs) live. First of all, I don't want to feel like my nervous system is um, lit up because I posted something on Instagram. And so maybe some of this is just in my head. Probably a lot of it is just in my head. And I'm not saying I have like a huge platform where everyone cares and all this stuff, but like I truly care about not hurting a single person. Like I don't want to hurt anyone. The problem is that I likely will. And so I have to get okay with that because I know that my heart and my intention is to never hurt anyone. And I will likely fuck it up. (laughs) I will likely fuck up so many times. And people will likely get angry at me, whether it's valid or not valid. And my coach said, you know, if you're going to be a change maker, you can't be hurt by people practicing change, which I thought was such a brilliant way to say it because it's like, when people get pissed off or have some kind of reaction to something like it often is because something's shifting or they're being challenged to see something in a different way or they disagree. Right. And they have their perfectly fine reasons for disagreeing or like, this is the practice of change. I love phrasing it that way. Like change doesn't just happen. It's, it's this thing that we have to like chip away at whether we're talking on the individual level or we're talking on a global level, like, It's this chipping away at it and it's this practicing it. And how can I practice bringing that change and embodying that change in myself at the same time? And also making space, like holding a ton of space for other people to practice change too. Because that's all this life is. We're all just continuously practicing everything that we're learning over and over and over again. So, how can I just be a space holder? For people practicing change. And as they're practicing change, they are likely going to get pissed. <laughs> they are likely going to have some kind of reaction and maybe take action from a place other than love. And as the space holder for it, I just can't make it about me and I can't be hurt by it. And I recognize that all of this is a lot easier said than done. (laughs) And I'm going to be practicing it for a long, long time. But I just wanted to be really honest about where I'm at because there have been so many times in the past few years that I've started and stopped with like really bold messaging and started and stopped with making my focus of my messaging certain things and, um, There's been like several times where I've gone viral on TikTok and gained a lot of followers from it and then completely pulled back and like stopped posting completely because it made me afraid. Like that openness, that vulnerability of even more people seeing me made me afraid. Even though at the same time, I know it's the only way to make the change in the world that I really want to make. So I'm just putting it out there because yeah, I'm going to fuck up (laughs) and I'm going to be misunderstood. It's not an if at this point anymore. I will be misunderstood. (sighs) So I'm just going to let you guys into that process because, and even there, I was just literally mentally, I was like, oh my God, you said guys. (laughs) which is something I've been shifting for the past couple of years. You know, I grew up on the East Coast, grew up in outside Philly, and we said you guys all the time, just all the time. And I've shifted it to y'all in almost every part of my life just so that I don't hurt someone. Um, And so even there, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. In like 0.2 seconds. <laughs> so see, there, I fucked up. And I'm, I'm going to keep fucking up in big and small ways. So it's important to me that I let you all in on the process because that's the only way that we learn from each other. And it's the only way that we can see each other's humanity. Ugh, like, if what if we allowed more room for humanity in the world? Because it seems like everywhere we go, we just want people to be perfect. We want people to accept us as left as less than perfect, but we want everyone else to be perfect. We want the influencers we follow. We want the people at work. We want our friends. We want our partners. We want people we meet on the street to all show up perfectly. And anything less than that bothers us. Anything less than that is not okay. And wow. How would the world shift if we were allowed a little bit more humanity, if we were a little bit more compassionate with each other? I think a lot would shift. (laughs) I think a lot would shift. Yeah. And so I'm going to be more bold. And we're going to keep talking about this stuff because I think it's so, so, so important. And yeah, thank you for being a part of me practicing change, both for myself and for others. Along with this journey to be more bold, to get my messages out there, um, about a week ago, well, I guess it was a week and a half ago that I got the message, and I started about a week ago, I got the message. Which, you know, might sound weird to some people. Let me address this. Um, I I recognize that for those who don't have a spiritual practice, it might be really weird whenever I say things like, I got the message that I should do this. <laughs> might sound like really crazy. <clears throat> might sound like I'm like that I think I'm channeling God like all the time, which I kind of do think <laughs> now that I say that. <laughs> um, so I want to go into that you know what does it mean that I got the message well I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier of like we're so removed from our true nature and I'll give you an example you know I, I did ayahuasca a year ago I was actually my friend texted me yesterday we started the week of ayahuasca like a year ago yesterday um, the day that I'm recording this and Going into ayahuasca, I questioned, like, how did they know how to do this? How did they know how to get these two specific plants and to brew them in this specific way and to sing these types of songs? Like, how did they know how to put this together? (laughs) And by the time I was done the week of ayahuasca, I was like, oh. I know exactly how they did this. The plants just told them, (laughs) which again might sound crazy to people. But what I'm trying to say here is that when things like ayahuasca first became a tradition in an indigenous culture, they were living in such deep communion with the land and such deep communion with the earth and the plants and those people around them. And today we are so removed from that. We live in houses separate from other people. We live on land, oftentimes with no plants around. Like especially if you're in a city, an apartment building, things like that. And even if we do have plants around, we kind of just treat them like they're just whatever. Like you might be completely indifferent to them, or you might even be annoyed by them, right? Like, <laughs> and I—that was me at one point too. Like I totally uh, uh, even as someone who grew up doing a lot of nature things like growing up hunting, growing up fishing, I grew up on the land all the time and yet there was still like this separation like that's over there and I'm over here. And it took me going down the spiritual path and working with plant medicine to really understand that no 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 like we are one and the same and that the plants are nature and we are nature. And they are highly intelligent and highly adaptable. And that when you strip away all of the distractions that we currently have today, like traffic and time and schedules and work and all these things, and if we were to actually be fully present in the land that we live on, we would understand them more. I see it now even with my houseplants. Like, I'm so much more in tune with my houseplants. Like, I can tell, like, oh, like that one's wilting because of this, or like maybe it needs a little bit more of that. And, like, you know, it's just this entunement. It's not like I'm saying, like, oh, the ayahuasca plant talked to them. Like, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's this like deep connection and Intuition and attunement that comes when you are without distraction and when you're actually fully present and wow, I just went down this rabbit hole. I almost don't remember why I got here um, yeah, okay, Dieta spirit here we go it's coming back to me now um, so when I say that I received a message what i'm talking about is like this deep intuition this deep attunement this deep connection that i feel to spirit and i think everybody has a different way of accessing spirit um everybody has different ways several ways i definitely have several ways and i definitely feel mine very much in my body and it's almost like this deep knowing. Like for me, it's like when I get a message, you know, it almost comes in like an idea, but I know it's not for me. And it's hard to describe exactly how I know it's not for me, but I just know. I just know it's not for me. And it feels so true. So true. Like When I'm talking about my own personal intuition, the way I often explain it to people for me, and this is, again, everyone, it works differently for everyone. My intuition, it's less like, it's less often like, you must do this. And it's more often like, it's a full yes. And if there's any hesitation, it's a no. So if it's not a full fuck yes, I know it's a no. And that's pretty much how my intuition works for me. And it's kind of similar when I get a message from spirit, but it's like, it's like, like, like full on, like, like very strong, very quick. And it's a powerful knowing. And I also believe that like our intuitions are part of spirit, right? Like I believe that we are all, expressions of God. And so is nature. And that word God might even be hard for some people to digest. I know that it was for me for a long time, actually, which is a lot of times why I say spirit instead of God. Um, I grew up in the Christian church and I had a lot of issues with Christian church. I also had a lot of issues with my mom because we butted heads on things from the Christian church. Um, and I don't align with a lot of the things the Christian church, um, still puts out there. Um, so I no longer identify as a Christian and that background plus also like, I spent a few years being really angry at God after my mom died. And I've since completely let that go and there's no anger at all. Um, but sometimes the word God is still sticky for me and I know it's sticky for some other people. So that's why I often use spirit, um, but it feels very interchangeable to me. And I, I'm really open to what anyone says, spirit, God, the universe. Um, but yeah, I do believe that we are all expressions of God. There's God in all of us. There's God in nature. There's God even in the ant that's on your picnic plate. (laughs) Um, And so, even intuition—if you don't feel like you're connected to God per se, you don't feel like you're connected to spirit, but you feel like you're connected to your body and your intuition. Like, same thing. You know, (laughs) you're on there. You get what I'm. You get what I'm talking about. So yeah, about a week and a half ago, I got this message from Spirit. I was on a walk and it just like like real quick, all of a sudden, deep knowing dropped into my body that was like, you need to do a dieta. And immediately my full body reacted. I was like shaking and like just intense and just like, oh, <laughs> it just went through my body. And immediately I start trying to like negotiate with with spirit. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, but, uh, you know, I'm doing ayahuasca at the end of August. Like, what if I just start August first, you know, it's only July, what was it, 15th or something at that point. Like, I can't start now and I'm supposed to go to LA next weekend. Like, won't it be so difficult? Like, I'll just just wait until after LA at least, you know, and just trying to negotiate. And it was like, nope, right now you you need to start as soon as possible. (laughs) And um, for those who don't know, a dieta is a Diet, essentially, and um, it's often used in the spiritual and medicine world. And the whole idea is really just making yourself like the clearest vessel that you can possibly be in order to receive healing, both from the maestros or shamans that you're working with, um, and the medicine that you're working with, um, and from God. and I've done dietas in the past for in preparation for ayahuasca. However, my my very first one was almost as long. It was 5 weeks, but it definitely wasn't as strict. Like I did cut a lot of stuff out, but I also still ate a lot of things and I also still like cons- mentally consumed a lot of things. And then my second dieta was a lot shorter, um and I definitely did not cut out as much. So this time around, the message I got was like, you need to do, eat, uh, do a dieta. You need to start it ASAP. And it needs to be the strictest one you've ever done. And it needs to be really focused on your mental consumption. And I was like, oh, jeez!" <laughs> and I recognize exactly why I – Need to do this. It's not just in preparation for ayahuasca. Like, of course, like that's a good marker. Um, the day I started last Saturday was the six weeks out until my next ayahuasca ceremony. So great, six weeks. But I, I even got the message like, you might keep going until after ayahuasca. Like, it, it's not, it's likely not just going to end at ayahuasca. Like, I actually don't know how long this is going to be. It's going to be six weeks minimum. But Yeah. You know, so many times, like, so, okay, let me back up. The dieta again is often used in preparation for ayahuasca. There's also versions of the dieta where people go like into the jungle in South America and Peru and Costa Rica. And, um, they do a really strict dieta and they commune with a plant. So basically like the maestro, the shaman, um, chooses a plant that spiritually aligns with what you need to learn. And they energetically place the plant inside of you. And then a lot of times you'll also like drink tea of the plant, eat the plant, depending on what it is every day. And you commune with that plant. And The point is to learn from that plant and to learn from the fact that like we are one with nature. And then you're also often sitting with ayahuasca like multiple times a week when you do that. And people do this anywhere from like two weeks to like several months. And one of my best friends who I met in ayahuasca actually did one this past winter. And it was like the hardest thing of his life and but also like so powerful, of course. And I've heard a bunch of other people I know do this and... I've definitely been interested in it and it's been in the back of my brain like, oh, I'll probably do one at some point. But again, with my intuition, it's like, if it's not a full fuck yes, it's a no, at least for now. And so it hasn't been a full fuck yes, which is why I haven't gone to the jungle and done this. And my best friend who, um, who did this, I was just with him in Mexico and He's since dedicated his life to this work it, with ayahuasca specifically. And so he's living mainly in, in South America and um, like that's the path that he's on. Even though he's from the UK, like his home base is, is in South America. And I know that that won't ever be me. I mean, never say never. <laughs> Let's be real. I don't think I could have predicted where I am now a year ago. So let me back that up. Never say never, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) that I won't be following a similar path like that because I think that my calling, I know that my calling is to be more of a bridge between that world that's like deep in the jungle, sitting with maestros and the everyday life here in America. Because there's so much healing to be done and there are so many people who cannot have access to that type of work who won't be able to get down to the jungle and who may receive from people here who are not doing it in the fullest integrity. You know, I've heard of a lot of bad medicine stories and a lot of bad medicine healers um, since being in the space um, just because people are trying to find it in the cheapest, most accessible way. And it's scary what's out there. And so, and I also just believe that so many people don't even know about this world in general. And I want to, it not that it even has to be plant medicine. Not everyone has to do plant medicine, but like healing in general, um, self love work in general. How can I be the bridge between like the most intense versions of it sitting in the jungle doing ayahuasca and the everyday person who has no idea what I'm talking about? And so I believe that that's where my path sits and where my calling sits. And so I was like, you know what? This makes complete sense because the message was like, you need to do, do a dieta, but you need to do it at home. Like You don't need to go to the jungle. You don't need to tap out of life for a month in order to do this. You need to be able to do the dieta while you're still doing life, while while you're still meeting with clients, while you're still taking care of the dogs, while you you're still taking care of yourself, while you're living in a in a busy city. Like you have to be able to merge the two worlds, just like your path and your life calling says you're supposed to. So not only that, but also I know that I haven't been real with myself for a while about how much time and energy I'm putting into certain things. I have so many things that I'm interested in and so many things that I'm committed to that it's really easy for me to be like, oh, well, like I'm just spread so thin or like I'm choosing this over that. And I try to be really careful about the language I use. You know, I try to be really in ownership always around the fact that I'm choosing this. The problem is that a lot of times I was choosing (laughs) the wrong things and still making an excuse in my head. And it feels embarrassing to talk about. I did post about this the other day, but, and it, it still feels embarrassing to talk about, but like TV was one of my biggest things. And it wasn't like I'm like sitting in front of the TV all day long doing nothing, which again, if you do that, it's so, it's okay. You know, <laughs> it's totally fine. I don't, I don't want to shame anyone. And there are days where I did do that and there likely will be days again where I do do that. We all need that break, you know? Um, but it was a habit that started when I first started living alone, like almost 10 years ago. And, where I would just have TV on in the background all the time. Like it was just like, I felt comforted by the noise. It was just like something to have on. It like was a storyline I could pay attention to while I'm like doing the dishes, you know, like, so I would have it on in the background of everything, like doing the dishes, cooking, putting on makeup. Um, and I would even fall asleep to it every night. And I had this story that I couldn't fall asleep without it. And It was easy for me to trick myself because I'm like, oh, well, like I'm not sitting down all day watching it. I'm like active. I'm like doing things, you know, but it was still taking up so much energy that I wasn't fully aware of and just like mental capacity when I could be listening to podcasts that really teach me something. I could be, um, listening to music that lights up my soul. Um, or I could just be like really silent and present. Like even with my food, I would always eat food in front of the TV and I wasn't as present with my food and, and what that tasted like and what it meant to nourish my body and what the feeling of fool was. And I think that a lot of things that I wanted to get done. And I think a lot of things that are important on my path to becoming the leader that I want to be in the world, were getting pushed aside because of these like mental consumption addictions. And it was time to cut it out. And that was the big message I got. So... Last Saturday, today's day seven, so it's almost a week, um, almost a full week of doing this. Last Saturday, I started my dieta cold turkey, no TV at all. (laughs) Limiting social media to mostly posting, scrolling here and there. You know, I don't, I never actually really had a problem with social media. Um, I'm not a big scroller, actually. Um, So, and I do have time limits on both my Instagram and TikTok. So, The idea is basically to not let like one vice replace another. So if it does become a problem, I'll limit it more. But as of right now, it's not a problem. Um, But yeah, not only TV, but it's basically like a lot of the dieta guidelines that I would do if I were doing like a normal ayahuasca dieta, but also just anything that like feels like it has a hold on me. Like, you know, the plenty of people out there are like, well, I can't start my day without coffee. right? And that used to be me until last year's dieta. And I cut out coffee because you can't have caffeine um, for at least a couple of weeks before ayahuasca. Um, And I cut out my coffee habit, but I completely replaced it with a cacao habit. (laughs) And cacao definitely is gentler on your nervous system, but it's still something that I was like, can't start my day without it. I gotta get it. I gotta go get it. You know, and I don't want to feel that about anything. I don't want to feel like anything has a hold on me. I don't want to feel like I can't go to sleep without my iPad. I don't want to feel like I can't start my day until I do X, Y, or Z. I don't want to feel like I have to finish every meal with some chocolate, which is another thing. I cut out sugar completely, um, which I've cut out sugar before, but I've also but I've kept in fruit sugar but newsflash sugar, sugar, (laughs) and you still get the cravings. So I cut it out completely. I'm not even doing fruit sugar. Um, so yeah, it's like no gluten, dairy, soy, sugar, no cacao, no coffee, um, no TV, um, limiting socials, no alcohol, but I don't really drink anymore. That's, that's not been a part of my life really frequently at all for the last year. I've drank four times in the last year. Um, and I really believe that you can't drink and go down such an intense spiritual path. Um, it really interferes, which is, you know, a topic for another podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, Amazing so far to see how things have already started to shift and how my stories around my time, my stories around my food, um, my stories around my life are already shifting. And you know, I already had pretty good stories, <laughs> life was already pretty good, but I notice now that, um, I'm really moving towards fully embodying everything that I've said I want to embody for a really long time. So I'm really excited to see how this goes. I will definitely do another solo pod after the six weeks is over, probably after my next AYA ceremony at the latest. And I'm just so excited to share this with you all and to go on this journey because I think that You know, apart from the reasons I already mentioned about the Sieta, I think another big part of it is what I said earlier, like really returning to my true nature. Because not only is everything outside, like on the street, distracting, even like the food we eat is distracting, right? Um, the TV is distracting, the social media is distracting, like all of these things are the things that are preventing us from getting messages from God. And that was one of the big messages I got was like, When you're doing this, you're going to get more messages. You're going to get the connection you've been craving with God and with yourself. And your spiritual gifts are going to both strengthen and appear because you have to strip away the distractions and you've been way too distracted. And the other big phrasing that has come through is like, how devoted can you be to the things you say you're devoted to? Like, I say I'm devoted to putting my message out in the world, but I haven't been consistent about it in at least a few months. I haven't been bold about it ever, right? Going back to what I first started with. How devoted can you say you are, or how devoted can you be to the things you say you are? Say I'm devoted to a lot of different things that I wasn't fully executing on. And so this is a time of devotion, a time of commitment um, to myself, to my life's work, to God, and to making the world a place where people act from love. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hearing me, for seeing me, for being willing to get messy with me for maybe misunderstanding, but then being open to understanding me, whatever it is. I'm so grateful for all of it. Here's to many, many more times of fucking up, getting it right, being understood, being misunderstood. (laughs) It's all medicine. It's all medicine. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions or any comments, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out on Instagram. And again, I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. And I hope you decide to make today the best day yet. Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Express Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I'd be so honored if you'd hit that rate and review button and leave us some love. If you want some more content from me and some more connection, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at healingw for with Christina. I'm so grateful for you and I hope that you're inspired to start living your fully expressed life today.